You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions interview podcast. We are right in the middle of our Lions draft review where we talk to the people that were closest to the Lions uh, draft picks. And we've got a doozy of a show for you this week. We are talking Lions fifth round pick Colby Sorsdal. Uh, But before I get into our guest, let me bring in my co-host filling in this week for Ryan Matthews is our managing editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Hey, buddy. Uh, it's uh, you you said OL talk, and so I decided to come running. That's right, uh, and I'm so excited about this one. I ha- I didn't even introduce myself. I'm Jeremy Reisman, by the way. I'm the uh, manager, <laughs> uh, producer of Pride of Detroit at Detroit Online on Twitter. But let's get to our guest already. Uh, he is the founder and owner of Offensive Line Masterminds. He is the lead coach for the fi- final five OL Academy, and most importantly, he directly trained Colby Sorsdal. Uh, Duke Mannyweather is here. Duke, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. And, yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm... like they always say, it's five o'clock somewhere, so I'm going <laughs> to right. crack a beverage. That's right. Hey, go for it. Because uh, this is going to be an exciting one. Let's uh, let's start with with how things started between you and, and, and Colby. How did that connection get made? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a great question and a really good story. Um, I had watched Colby earlier. Um, in his senior year, his senior season, but I wasn't aware that it was Kobe's senior season. I was told that, you know, he was a junior, had another year going back. So watched him um, and liked what I saw. Um, And we're going to get into that a little bit in the show. But in November, rolled around, and I had a friend, um, Brian, who came, he goes, hey, there's a kid at William & Mary that I know his parents really well and just take a look at him. And I'm like, okay, that sounds familiar. I think I've watched this kid. <laughs> so all of a sudden I get on and it's about five plays in and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this, yeah, I remember this. So um, the connection was made um, with a mutual friend of mine or a mutual friend of his family. And then the, the next step was um, kind of seeing what the post was on Kobe and I probably got some scouts and some people in some front offices in trouble because I started calling GMs like the GMs. I have a great relationship with, Hey, Kobe soars to William and Mary. What do you know? We don't have anything on them. Um, hmm. Our scout said that there wasn't anybody at William and Mary that was drafted. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So I called around the scouts that I knew, teams that I knew, um, senior bowl, shrine game. I'm like, what do you know about this kid? And there were some people, they they were beating around the bush. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, oh, no, he sucks or he can't play. It was just like, ah, oh, yeah, you know. Uh. 
And when I start to hear that, then I know that they haven't watched them. And I know that's a, because there, there's this, there's this thing in football scouting uh, where by that point, November, December, you know, most guys you're talking, Oh, I've watched 500 players. I've watched everybody, but me specifically, they know when I'm calling or texting and I got a name from, they're like, damn, we missed that one. <laughs> so all of a sudden um, I started sending clips to a couple of GMs and they're like, Oh man. They're like, we missed him. Like, I'm going to watch him. I'm going to write him up. So there was probably uh, 10 to 12 GMs mm. that I started sending his film to. Then they started digging deeper. And then all of a sudden, my phone started ringing a lot. And me and Kobe had already made the connection. So I kind of knew that though people were late to the party, um, we probably hit a sweet spot in terms of putting them on the radar. Um and then he went out and had a great shrine game and then or shrine bowl, I should say. And we kept expecting a uh uh combine invite. It didn't come, which didn't matter. I mean, there was some wonkiness to the combine process this year anyway. And he ended up going out and having a tremendous pro day and a kid that a lot of people, when I was starting the process, was saying that uh, he's gonna be undrafted, may sign as a free agent, we don't know. Um fifth round draft pick and i think that um in years prior to this he's probably a, a late third or fourth round the board was just weird this year mm. the way it fell um so that's kind of the origin story of uh kobe and i and then we'll get into of course some some more detail here coming up as we uh expand is that a common process on how you end up training and working with guys? Like, is it just who uh, you it's it's a friend of a friend who gets a name to you and then you end up connecting? Or is it usually something I guess? No. How do you do that? OK, no, not at all. Um, so I've already started my process. For next year, um, it, it's really a hands on uh, approach, like I don't care what school you played at, I don't care what level you play at. If I'm watching you and I'm evaluating you, which I do, I watch and I evaluate every guy that I work with. It's not a word of mouth thing. I've turned around, I've turned away top 10 picks. Hmm. I've turned away first overall picks over the last six or seven years, just because what I watched on tape and sometimes what I gathered, just it wasn't a fit for kind of what we do. Like we really obsess about, um, the development aspect and the process of it. So if the player doesn't fit that, if the player um, doesn't per se pick that type of lifestyle up, what it is, then it's probably not going to be a good fit. Uh, but let me go to my notes here. Cause I'm going to kind of show yeah. you um, this was, this is the list that I'm working off of already for next year. Wow. So I've got about 45, 50 names that I'm already working off of, broken down into tackle, guard, and center, that I've watched most of these guys, um, and I'll continue to keep a, a tab and a running note on them all year. Um, just kind of, here's what I see, here's what's transferable. This is my approach if I was going to work with them. And um, so I try to be very thorough with it, um, and then I'll go back. Like with Kobe, I went back and watched two years worth of games um, and I, I watched every snap because one thing that ends up happening is 
that and you'll see me on social media i'll argue with people because what i'm confident in um is that i know it doesn't matter if it's nfl or college if i'm engaging in a conversation and i have an a opinion or a take on a guy it's because i've watched every snap so there's nothing that's going to come to me by surprise i i understand the context of it so i watched every snap of kobe and um what that allows us, what that allows you to do, is formulate a uh, prediction of not really uh, who the player is then, but like what's his capacity for development. And I think that's important because if you see a guy that's getting better from year one to year two, year two to year three, and you're like, oh man, this guy's best football is still ahead of him, then hell, I mean, you got something something to it, you know. So um, it's just working through that process and uh, doing your due diligence in the process and not skipping a step. Uh, that way there's no stone unturned when working with these guys and then putting together your development plan for them. So, so when you, you see that tape, when you, you start digging into Colby State, what do you see that, that is like, okay, this guy is exactly a fit for what I want to do with him? Well, biggest thing that um, I always tell guys or tell people when they ask, um, I was a small school guy. I went to a division two school. I was an undersized offensive lineman. Um, and so I understood my controllables, um, my controllables just for even me getting onto the field was I had to train hard. I had to perfect my technique. I had to know what everybody was doing. I had to, you know, I wasn't the biggest or most athletic. So I had to have tremendous play speed through preparation. Um, and Kobe's a little different. Um, because he's got the size, he's got the physical traits, he's got the ability. But um, I'll say the key physical trait or critical factor of when you're watching these guys that come from FCS or come from Division Two or come from Division Three, even um, is they physically dominate, and they physically dominate <clears throat> at a high rate and a high percentage. They're putting guys in the ground, they're running guys to the sideline and you don't have to watch a long time to, to see it repetitively and repeatedly happen um, when those guys do that. And so one of the, the common denominators is the small school guys that end up making it in the NFL, that end up being starters um, are the guys that physically dominated, um, you know, at, at their level. And if you go back and you look at guys like Ryan Jensen, when he was at CSU Pueblo, physically dominant. Um, when you look at Ali Marpet at Hobart, physically dominant. Um, a guy that I worked with a couple of years ago, Quinn Miners, Division Three, physically dominant. Um, Trevor Penning, I worked with last year, physically dominant. Um, take, go back to Brandon Fusco, Taylor Boggs, um, guys like that. They were physically dominant in Division Two. So when I look at that, Alex Kappa that now plays for the Bengals, physically dominant. So when I look at that, that's typically a trait and a critical factor that um, one is a non-negotiable, but two, it, it, it lets me know, all right, this guy's got a chance. So uh, watching Kobe's tape, the physical dominance stood out immediately. Um, and then within the physical dominance, um, or I should say, aside from it, in conjunction with he had really great body positioning, played with good leverages, um, great technique, tremendous footwork, was very efficient with his movement, um, never looked out of control, um, always finished whether he put guys in the ground or not, but he just gave an added extra. 
wasn't challenged must in pass protection, which I don't care what level you play at. There's going to be times where somebody gets you out of position or gets into your chest. You just didn't see that with him. You saw above average hand usage, um, him being able to swat down a long arm, him being able to lift up a long arm, him being able to trap guys down, being able to refit and anchor. Um, so that play strength also was uh, something that stood out to me. Um, it doesn't, again, doesn't matter what level you're at. If you are physically dominant, um, you're always in good positioning and and being in position to recover when you need to be is important. Like that's really what O-line is about in the NFL is being able to recover. And so Kobe was always in position to recover, what we call be where your feet are. Um, and then just the play strength, it, it was his play strength was off the charts for that level. So when I look at those things, um, that lets me know that a guy's got a chance. And when I met him and I saw his personality and I saw uh, just kind of what he was willing to do and willing to invest and willing to put in and let me know that, all right, what we saw on tape married with the mental component of it, we got a player here. This is, this is going to be a pro guy. Um, so those boxes were checked and um, here we are. He played uh, right tackle exclusively, right? Yep. But with the Lions so far, he's been repping at right guard. And I think that's really where his future is, especially with Sewell. Can you talk about the challenges of switching from tackle to guard and why you think Sorsdo might be able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm never a fan immediately of just saying, hey, a guy can move in as a guard or hey, a guy can yeah. kick out to tackle. Um, and I think you guys got a pretty damn good right tackle. And yeah. uh, Panay Sewell. Um, yeah. Panay Sewell was a part of my TV show a couple of years ago, the Big Boys Club. You know, yeah, with a, Jeff Shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrific. So yeah, we... that uh, that that was the inaugural year of the Big Boys Club, and that was a pretty good class with, um, you know, Panay, Rashawn Slater, Creed yeah. Humphrey, Trey Smith, and uh, Glenn yeah. Miners. I think those are some some names that are going to be playing for a very long time at a high level. But um, you know, Kobe was pre- predominantly Larry. Actually, I think all right tackle. I don't think he played any yeah. tackle uh, the previous years either. Uh, but uh, the way he played, again, going back to what I was talking about with his body positioning and um, yeah. just the base he played with, he was able to stay square a long time, didn't open up. So when you look at those key components of the way he played and the way he won, like the transition into guard is probably going to be um, it's going to have his ebbs and flows and ups and downs. But I think once he finds just how fast it happens on the inside and gets his timing and get, um, solidifies his set um, in real in real time, not just in training like we have been, that he's going to be fine because his brand of football, which is physical, which is in your face, which is aggressive, is kind of uh, what you want at guard. And, when I saw that he was drafted to Detroit, um, it got me excited because I've been saying for the last three years, really, that right guard spot has been a revolving door. You know, um, there's been okay play there. When you even look back at, you know, Dahl and Glowinski and guys like that, um, you know, even when Dan Skipper has gotten in, um, you know, whether it's right guard or left guard, you know, it's just, but there's never been a settled starter there that has just been a dude that's going to come in and kick the shit out of you and with that mentality so i think that there's a great and this is not to just say that hey he's penciled in as a starter but i know mm-hmm. the mentality that kobe has and i know with panay provides at right go, uh, right tackle 
Um, I know with Jonah Jackson and uh and I know what Deckard like to do. Like I think he's gonna fit in that room really well. And he's gonna yeah. compete, that's for sure. Um, so I think if it came down to it, him competing, you know, you may have found a starter in a fifth round draft pick from a small school that's gonna play a physical brand of football. That's that's interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure the lines are gonna take him along slow. They got they got big V there to maybe help him with that transition as well. Another yep. guy who's gone from tackle to guard. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny you mentioned speed too, because that's something Soros has already said, like the speed, it the game comes so much faster at you when you're inside. Um, but, but wanna... Everything happens faster. Yeah, Everything exactly. happens faster. Like you don't have that space and the timing uh, that you would, if you want to play with your hands low um, and you, you know, there's, there's more chess moves on the outside with space and timing versus inside. It's like, a guy is on you or in your chest or on your edge immediately. So you got to be really definitive about your set. You got to be really uh, in, intentful with what you're doing with your hands um, in terms of having a plan, whether it's on target. Um, and again, you either got to create space off that line of scrimmage at guard or you got to close space if you're going to aggressive set. Um, and there's no better uh, kind of person to mimic than uh you know some of the stuff that jonah jackson does mm-hmm. um yeah. with some of his short set and aggressive sets as well so um it should be fun it should be fun um you know it, it'll be it'll be good because big v would be good for him um as well i mean but big v really is still making the transition to guard you know yeah. it's, it's a different it's a different position can, yeah. can you can you talk a little bit about what you specifically worked on with Sorzel? What was a lot of that? Like, did you guys kind of foresee that he's probably kicking into guard? So is that what you we, worked on? We or? prepare for we prepare for everything. Yeah, um, we work right side, left side, um, guard and tackle components uh, in terms of like, hey, this is what you need to look at <laughs> if you do get moved inside. Uh, we didn't work too much center. There were some teams saying, uh, hey, has he been snapping? And with some guys, I'm like, hey, we need to get you snapping with Kobe. I it it was like, hey, we'll have you snap a little bit, but like, let's not get wrapped up into to to snapping just because like I saw like his leverages, and to me, he was a he was a tackle that can move in a guard. Like it wasn't, I didn't want to. Not that it's a waste of time, but I thought it was more valuable for us to get him right side and left side reps at tackle, or right side left side reps cross training at guard as well versus adding in the mix to center. Not saying that it's not important because it is, I think center by the most important position on the offensive line, but that's just the, that was, that was part of his development plan. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With uh, with Frank Ragnow and Graham Glasgow and Jonah Jackson, they mm-hmm. they're 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 pretty healthy at, at guys that can play center. So I think source that'll give the source an opportunity to really focus uh, on guard. Yeah. Um, schematically, though, the Lions run a lot of gap uh, and outside zone. Um, I, I I personally thought that he had the movement skills to be able to fit into that scheme. Do you think that yep. the schematic fit is a good fit? Yeah, absolutely. So they ran a ton of outside zone um, and a, t- a ton of move and wide zone at William and Mary. Um, they ran a little GT counter as well. Uh, but then again, we talked about his ability to run to to run downhill with square power. I think there was a play. Um, I can't remember the team. They're on the road. Team is a red and black team, but. Uh, he ends up getting a deuce block like four plays in a row mm-hmm. where they they just kick the living crap out of that three technique. And then he's up onto the linebacker and takes a linebacker another 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of like the gap schematics, anything like that, whether you want to run dual power, um, he's got the movement skills to be able to pull on power. Um, I think he's going to be a scheme fit no matter what you want to do. And here's the fact of the matter is, to me, a, a really good offensive lineman and a scheme fit offensive lineman is a guy that can do everything, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, fundamentals from the ground up. Um, he can, you know, play heavy um, shades, uh, you know, in a, in a zone, inside zone look. You know, he can get loose and get out on the edge, on the outside zone, backside cutoffs and things of that nature. Um, and then, again, if he needs to stick his foot in the ground, same foot, same shoulder, or re-leverage and break stalemates, he's fine on that for the gap. To me, that's what a uh, uh, a starter can do in the NFL. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is, I think most NFL offenses, especially in the run game, they're multiple these days. You know, there's not yeah. – you know, there's not uh, really a team that sub- subscribes to, you know, one way of doing things. And I think you have to be multiple and I think you have to have flexibility and you have to have um, the ability to be able to do a whole lot of things on Sundays to win games. It's hard to win football games in the NFL. Well, you, you've you've called him multiple times, I think, at this point, a, a sleeper. And, and that's even dating way back to February. Um, yep. when, when, after he walked through your doors, did you realize that maybe he was something special? No, I knew he was a sleeper watching this tape. <laughs> yeah. um, seriously. Like yeah. once I watched, like I said, once I watched this tape and knew that people were talking about him, I'm like, oh, and, um, and again, like, so if we look at the past couple of years, I mean, I've had 50 guys drafted, um, in you know, the last four years or five years, um, I think it's somewhere like eight uh first round picks um I, I don't remember how many in the top 100 um but i think the thing that gets overshadowed a lot is when we're getting these third fourth and fifth round small school guys end up starting you know your quinn miners you know yeah. um when we're finding guys like trevor penny you know and putting them on the radar 
granted, Penning was a first round pick, but I take great pride in and and that being a small school guy is like, yeah, everybody wants to talk about the top ten picks that we've had, but um, these smaller school guys that come in and just commit to the process, and like I said, that prerequisite is kind of. Um, that physicality and the physical dominance that you saw on their tape that kind of knows, hey, that's going to be a gateway to be to them being able to to, to figure it out uh, on Sunday. So um, to, to me, within that process, that is really uh, that's really that's what I knew Kobe had a chance, though, is watching him and then just how he went about his business every day. He was the same guy every day, you know, mm-hmm. Um some days he did get tired. Our program is extremely hard, but he got tired just like everybody else did in terms of when we were peaking guys and bringing them back down. And for Kobe, one thing that I wanted to see um, was when everybody had completed their combine training and, you know, for a period, it was just him there alone working. How was he going to be? Same guy, you know. So that was important to me. After he finished up his pro day, we then put him into the actual pro group with some NFL veterans from the veteran offseason. Mm-hmm. And he merged right in, started picking guys' brain, worked a lot with Rashawn Slater, worked a lot with Trey Smith, worked a lot with Teron Armstead. So for a guy that hadn't stepped foot in the NFL building yet, he had some pretty damn good mentors that he was actually shoulder to shoulder with, you know, learning from. And um, I, that's part of the environment that we provide at O-Line Masterminds uh, down in Frisco. So um, it's really Kobe's special guy, but, um, you know, the circumstances and the situation and the opportunities he's given, he's exhausting every single resource to be able to maximize that opportunity. I don't know how long we have Duke for, so I didn't want to keep going. And uh, we can keep unless... going. We're good. <laughs> yep. Do you have guys that come back? Like, is that the standard how your program operates? Like, you have guys come back uh, in the off season to continue to build and get better? Definitely, definitely. Um, so my whole thing is, I'm not just a combine training right. place. You know, again, I get probably close to 100 inquiries a year. Hey, I want to be a part of your pro- your combine program. And the fact of the matter is, I take 15 guys a year. I take 15 guys a year. It doesn't matter what school you went to. doesn't matter the level. Um, I don't care if you're a top 10 pick. I've had every year we do a great job of getting guys priority free agent, uh, guys signed, um, and they end up making rosters. Again, just like we talked about, we hear about the top picks, but I take great pride in the small school guys and the guys that – you know, are aren't top picks that end up getting signed and make rosters. We it happens every single year for us. Um, but I take 15 guys and I always tell agents and I tell the players, here's here's the downside sometimes to this process. Agents have a fixed amount that they want to spend and invest in a player because it's dollar and cents. NFL is a NFL football is a great game. It's a fucked up business across the board from <clears throat> From agents to teams to doctors, like there's a lot of scumbag stuff that goes on sometimes, and it can sour you. But uh, what ends up happening is there's some agents and there's some players and the players that understand their leverage as well. Like, hey, listen, this isn't just an eight to ten week program. You know, when you're done with mm-hmm. combine training, when you're done with um, your pro day training, get your butt back here and let's continue to 
build upon what we worked on the, la the last eight to 10 weeks. We've had some guys that have done just that um, and that have come back and, and really been dominant as rookies. So if we go back and we look at Eric McCoy for the Saints was a, as a kid that did that, he came back after combine. Um, when we look at Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, um, Rashawn Slater, Makai Becton, guys like all those guys that came back immediately after combine, they end up having phenomenal rookie seasons. Um, and it's because one, we start to address the the things that some people saw as issues. Mm -hmm. uh, we start to address those and they've got months and months of reps and a way and a process to address those things. But then also they're learning from other veterans and they're able to pick the brain. And so like a lot of times nothing catches them by surprise once they're in the building. And so I think um, that to Kobe um, being able to come back after his pro day was huge and stay all the way up until, you know, he had to go to Detroit. And as soon as, you know, Detroit um, breaks for OTAs or for, for mini camp for the off season. Um, I know the rookies typically stay a little longer, but I'm sure he'll be right back down here trying to fine tune and craft uh, some of the things that may have come up during uh, OTAs and rookie mini camp. Well, before we let you go, I, I kind of want to know a little bit more about him as a person, because obviously that's kind of part of the fun for fans is getting to know these guys as, as first timers. It sounds like he's got a tremendous work ethic. W what else can you tell us about his personality? Oh, phenomenal human being, man. Just life of the party. Uh, <laughs> loves Blink-182. Um, <laughs> seriously, you, ask him what his first concert was. It, uh, amazing. That's a good um, tip. I appreciate yep, that. Yep. Likes Blink-182. Um <laughs> Um, we've got a ping pong table in our facility. And so uh, a name for you, um, a veteran, uh, Hugh Thornton, that played for uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington uh, team. Um, I think Kobe at one point owed him about 3,000 push-ups <laughs> for uh, <laughs> lost games in ping pong. Oof. But um Infectious personality, always smiling, um, life of the party. And uh, but when you turn on his tape, he's a mean SOB. So that's <laughs> what I like about it. But I, I tell you what, he was a guy that I really tried to urge Fox to highlight on this year's uh, Big Boys Club because uh, like Steve Avila, man, we had some characters. Kobe and Steve would have stole the show. Um, and I thought it would have been a good story to tell to include Kobe, but Fox, of course, had other plans, um, but he would have been great on the show because he did have so much personality and does have so much personality. Detroit will absolutely love him. Um, and I tell you what, if that kid goes out there and earns a starting job with the personality, he'll be he'll be a legend in Detroit. They got, yeah, a, he's, they got a lot of personalities he, on that yeah, offensive he, line. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's super um, friendly. and yeah. He's also super appreciative of the situation that he's in. Like he's yeah. very aware of the moment. He knows what the challenges are ahead of him. And, and he was, he's, he's awfully fun to talk to because you can feel his energy. And um, yeah, it just, he, he said, it means the world. Like he said that phrase like four times. It means the world to be here. Yep, it means the world so to many, do this. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. He goes, you don't understand. It means the world to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Very, very appreciative, very humble. 
yeah. very self-aware. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times when these guys make the transition from college to pro, uh, they lack self-awareness sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's how to be and who to be. Um, you always got to be yourself, but sometimes you got to understand that there's a time and a place for all the things. Um, and you got to be aware of that and read the room. And I think that's a lot of times where rookies struggle is just understanding the game within the game and the business side. And I think some rookies just think that this is your same old football, whether you went to Alabama or not, or whether you went to Georgia or not. And it feels a completely different beast. Don't let these, don't let anybody fool you to say, oh, well, you went to Alabama, you went to Georgia, you'd be, no, shit is a completely different beast. And sometimes some of those guys from those big programs struggle because they've been told for years that, hey, this is, if you can make it here, NFL is a breeze. And then they kind of let their guard (laughs) down and it's a completely different show. You know, you got guys that are in the locker room where, you know, after practice in college, you know, you guys, you might've went out and played video games after, after practice in the NFL, you got a guy that has five kids and a wife. Right. You know, <laughs> you got a kid, you got a a player next to you that owns three other, four other businesses. So the mentality is different. Um, it's not yeah. the same as a college locker room. You're dealing with grown men with grown situations. And then also within the building, the people that are making decisions about you um, are guys that love football. You know, like that is their life. They dedicated their life to the NFL lifestyle of coaching, evaluating or being a asset and a commodity to help bring guys along. So they, they, they are very judgmental <clears throat> that if that is not a part of your makeup and that's why the combine process and the interview process is so important because those guys are obsessive about football. And yeah. with, even within my program, that's why like, I want guys that are obsessive about their development because nobody's going to give a damn about your development more than you do. And if you do uh-huh. care about it in that manner, then yeah. I can meet you halfway and I'm going to go all in and I'm going to have your back too. But if I want to be great more than you want to be great, fuck, you might as well hang it up. <laughs> uh, all right. Before no, before for- we let you go here, uh, I, I, I want to give you the floor here to, to promote your stuff. I know you got some awesome stuff happening with the OL masterminds. And, and maybe if there's any future offensive linemen listening, I'm sure they'd love to hear uh, what you got to offer. Absolutely. We've got a lot going on. So we'll kind of go in chronological order here. Sure. Um, and and first things first, you know, we got our sixth annual online mastermind summit uh, where we'll have our NFL veterans and uh, some college players. We'll have coaches. We'll have uh, Hall of Famers. We'll have all kind of people there. Um, that's coming up uh, at the facility. So we're looking forward to a great turnout. Uh, and then simultaneously, uh, we're launching the O-Line Masterminds app. And the O-Line oh. Masterminds app uh, will be pretty much a one-stop shop for any level of football. It doesn't matter if it's you football, uh, middle school, high school, college, NFL, um, you know, pretty much anything and everything that I provide, um, it's a, a way for me to scale myself. So in the weight room, on the field, mindset, all that type of stuff would be there and available in different tier packages. Um, so people are excited about that. We've kind of started to beta test it and look at it and beat it up a little bit. 
It's going to change the game. There's nothing that has been out there that is this comprehensive um, from, you know, how to stretch, how to warm up, to how much to hydrate, to uh, hand placement, things like that. Plus, on top of that, from the training aspect, we, we're going to have six years of O-line mastermind footage on there. Like, Ooh. I've released, I've released, you know, clips here and there, 30 seconds yeah. here over the years, but full-on conversations about That's the jump cool. set, full-on conversation and player breakdowns of how we go in and attack Khalil Mack and uh, Max Crosby. I mean, full-on, you know, Teron Armstead, Lane Johnson, Creed Humphrey, uh, Rashawn Slater, you know, the best of the best talking about this is how we do it. This is why we do it. This is what to look at. So this is going to be pretty phenomenal. And then for our high school group, you know, if you're a high school offensive lineman and it doesn't matter where you live in the U.S., come on out July 15th and 16th, sign up for the Final Five Academy. Essentially what that Final Five Academy is, is something that um, I wanted to do something different. I was tired of the showcase camps where kids went out there, learned for 20 minutes and then did three hours of one-on-ones and became a viral high- highlight reel and clip from getting bull rushed in a T-shirt. So. What the Final Five Academy is, is essentially it's like two days and day in the life of how it would be if you were in our rookie transition program, like our combine training, plus O-line masterminds. So there's two classroom components a day, there's two field components a day, and then there's two weight room components a day. Um, And that's for Saturday and Sunday. Um, So I highly recommend fly in here, Dallas. July 15th and 16th, sign up for the Final Five Academy. Um, and it, it, it'll be life-changing for a lot of these high school offensive linemen. If you can't get out July 15th and 16th because slots are limited, um, definitely going to want to download the O-Line Masterminds training app that's going to be released around the same time. We're looking to release the app around the 7th or 8th of July it's simultaneously with O-Line Masterminds. And then if you're in Dallas or in the Texas area, I was going to say, get your masterminds IPA. We're we're in Whole Foods. We're in the DFW airport where, man, anywhere you can really find beer now, we're pretty much Tom Thon, Kroger. It's a damn good IPA too. Hop and Sting, my partners. Uh, We did a pretty good job uh, with it. Very proud of it. And the the best thing about this IPA though, is the cause. We put a cause behind it Mm. that's near and dear to me. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of the proceeds, I would say majority of the proceeds actually go to help uh, fund research for Alzheimer's. So we donate that to Alzheimer's research. um, And we're currently working on um, trying to get make it even uh, larger outreach for uh, for the call. So a lot of stuff going on, um, but it's all geared towards online, online development. And then when you do have a downtime, what's better than a Hey, a beer. Lions travel to Dallas this year. If you're, if you're going down to the game in the yep. Dallas-Fort Worth airport, make sure you could take a look and, and see if you can find some OL Mastermind IPA. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'll, it'll be around the airport. And then also, right when you land, Hoppensting Brewery is three minutes from DFW Airport. So you can right. hop into the brew room and then go to Vaquero's Barbecue, which to me is the best barbecue in the DFW area. These are good um, notes. Ask, ask Kobe about Vaquero's barbecue. Um, he, he's a he's a frequent flyer there. Uh, but the 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 brewery, 
and barbecue is very, very close to DFW Airport. So Lions fans, definitely stop in there. It'll be worth your time. It'll be worth the the trip and the pilgrimage to do so. And then, of course, we've got the the gear. A lot of people ask about the online masterminds gear. Go to strikeleveragedryfinish.com um, and grab all the masterminds gear. And um, yeah, man, thanks for having me, guys. It was of course, fun yeah. to talk ball and talk about Kobe. Absolutely. And and we'll link all that stuff in, in our post on prideofdetroit.com. But Duke, thank you so much for, for staying uh, a little extra Amazing. overtime for us. We really, really yeah. appreciate it, man. And, and it's some great insight. No problem at all. Look forward to coming back soon. All right. We'll call it there. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we're going to do some overtime with our, our live audience here. But uh, if you're listening to the podcast at home, thank you all for listening. We'll be uh, who's next week, Eric. Where, where are we to? Roderick Martin. Roderick Martin. We'll talk some another another small school guy. So uh, we'll we'll tackle him next week. But until then, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.